this is a song that I actually uh, wrote while I was a student at Princeton. Anthony D'Amato, class of 2010, has come a long way since he began writing and recording songs in his Princeton dorm room nine years ago. He's released three full-length albums and toured across the world, and his indie folk and Americana-inspired music has been compared to the likes of Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen. Most recently, he released a charity EP called Won't You Be My Neighbor, and the proceeds from that are going to the International Rescue Committee, an organization that offers emergency assistance to refugees. I'm Allie Wenner, a writer for the Princeton Alumni Weekly, and I recently sat down with Anthony in the Princeton Broadcast Studios to talk about his songwriting process, his recent performances and travels to a music festival in Mexico, and what it's really like to be an American artist touring the world in the current political climate. And by the way, the song you're hearing right now is called Ballad of the Undecided. And if you'd like to see a video of Anthony performing it live for us in the studio, visit paw.princeton.edu. So I am here today with Anthony D'Amato, who has taken at least one train down from New York to be here in Princeton today. For this one train plus a dinky. One train plus the dinky. Yeah. So Don't forget the dinky. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thank you so much, Anthony, for coming all the way down here today. Taking Thanks. Thanks for inviting me back. And I'm sure you're thrilled to be in the frozen tundra of New Jersey in January after uh, being at Mexico for a yeah, week. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> quite the beach in Toto Santos, but I'll take it. Yeah, so uh, speaking of Toto Santos, the festival that you were playing at, it was called uh, Tropic of Cancer? Yes. So tell me about that. I mean, was it right on the beach? Were there tacos? It's, it kind of it kind of takes place over the the whole town. Toto Santos is this cool little um, artist community down there, and there's a lot of uh, expat, you know, Americans are down there. There's folks from from Europe and all over the world who kind of resettle there because it's this beautiful area uh, along the beach, like lots of mountains and and little hidden coves, and um, and then tons of. Uh, you know, local and, and transplants uh, artists are there and they're, you know, the streets are lined with these galleries of, you know, uh, sculptors and painters and weavers and all sorts of stuff like that. And this uh, festival takes place over about the course of two weeks and uh, and a lot of uh, artists come down and they play every night. There's, you know, a show at, at a different kind of space in town and then there's an after show somewhere else and it kind of just goes from about sundown until you know, two in the morning every night. Cool. So what was that experience like? I mean, was it a lot different from playing like a festival or a show in the United States? Yeah, it's it's rare that I would go somewhere and just be there for a week. When I'm on tour, it's usually a new city every single day. Even with a festival, it's usually just, you know, you play there that day. Maybe you stay the weekend if you have the next day off. But generally, you're, you're go, 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 go when you're on the road. So this was interesting to just kind of plant myself in, in one place for that long and also in in uh you know in a cool uh, historic little town like that in in mexico it was just a very different vibe when you fall asleep you can hear the ocean waves crashing and there's uh, stray dogs all over this town that are kind of like they seem to have become part of the fabric of the community people leave them food and stuff and so uh you know it's just a, it's a very different vibe than brooklyn 
So 2017, that was a pretty big year for you. Uh, I know you went to Europe twice for two different tours. Um, So tell me about that. I mean, I assume it was fun or you wouldn't have gone back a second time. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. The the first time I went over with this band, the Mastersons, who um, they play as Steve Earle's backing band. Uh, Their husband and wife do. They're fantastic. And I did about a month of shows with them uh, last January into February. And then um, in the fall, I got invited to go about a month of shows with this artist uh, Ricky Ross who um, he's from a band called uh, Deacon Blue uh, which is kind of I'm just trying to think of an equivalent it's kind of like a Springsteen of, of Scotland you know it's kind of like working class blue collar uh, rock and roll and, and you know they had number ones over there in the 80s and 90s and play arenas and that kind of stuff but Ricky put out a solo record and he's a host on the BBC now which is how I met him I, I got interviewed on his show a couple of times and when he put out the solo record, uh, you know, again, the sort of thing where uh, I you know, reached out and was just kind of like, if you're uh, looking for support for that tour, you know, let me know. I'd be, I'd love to come and, and play with you. And, and they were totally into it. So they invited me to come over and do the whole tour. Um, so that was just Ricky on piano and then me on, on guitar for the night. Um, and then we added a bunch of shows around that. So, yeah, I, the, the second run in Europe ended up being a full uh, two months over there. So what was it like touring in Europe um, as an American, I guess, given the current political climate? You know, the the first Europe run last year in January, it started on Inauguration Day. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And in my mind, I was, I was psyched to get out of America for that. I thought, great, you know, this will be a nice break from the ugliness that's going on. And But, you know, it the thing I, I feel like I learned is that American politics really are world politics. Like everywhere you go over there, everybody knows what's going on. Like you go into the corner store and they want to talk to you. They see you're American and they want to talk to you about, you know, what's going on. Like, why did you elect this guy? And and they know, you know, they, they know a, a lot more about American politics than I feel like Americans know about any other country. You know, the you be talking to them about Trump and say, well, you know, we'll see how long he lasts. And, and, and you know, the guy in the, in the shop will just be like, well, then you got Mike Pence. And I don't know that he's much better. And I'm like, man, I don't know who the vice president of your country is. Like, that makes me feel like I'm in this, you know, in this, you know, very American-centric bubble that we all kind of live in. But uh, American politics really matter to the rest of the world. Um, so I, I was I was not able to escape it everywhere I went. People wanted to, to talk about it and ask mm-hmm. about it. And, um, you know, when I'm over there also, my phone doesn't work. I can only, you know, just when I'm on the Wi-Fi. So I'd kind of like go a whole day being blissfully unaware of what was happening. And then I'd get to the hotel at night and turn on my phone and it would just be like travel man, protest, this and that. And I was like, oh, God, you know, every day it was kind of like you'd start to dread when you got back on the Internet because what what crazy thing happened? Actually, this leads in nicely. I wanted to, to ask you about, um, I know you've released some politically charged music oh, yeah, yeah. The, this year. The charity EP. Yeah, um, Won't You Be a My Neighbor, the EP. Yeah, so that was that kind of started in that, in that winter tour in Europe. I, I was feeling kind of helpless being so far away from home, you know, watching my friends go to these protests. And, and you know, I wanted to make my voice heard or, or channel. Even more than that, I think I wanted to channel the anxiety of, of being so far away during a tumultuous time like that into something positive. So I decided when I got home, I was just in my bedroom with just an acoustic guitar, going to record uh, 
a handful of songs. Some of them were, were ones I'd written, and, and some were covers of songs that people wouldn't normally think of as political, but have become political in this time where it feels like just kind of being like a a compassionate person is is a political statement in its own weird way. So that was where I got the idea of taking the the Mr. Rogers theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and, and turning that into kind of this folky protest anthem because I can imagine Mr. Rogers getting drummed out of town, you know, uh, by certain politicians now for, you know, inviting uh, illegals and terrorists and whatever into the neighborhood, you know, like that that was kind of the message of that show was you know everybody's everybody's welcome and there's a place for everybody in the fabric of this neighborhood and and that's not the way a lot of people feel right now so i wanted to uh you know i took that song and and, and a handful of others i i toured the year before with Ziggy Marley uh Bob Marley's son and he used to play one love every night and and i'd never really paid that much attention to the song be, beyond just the chorus uh and when I was hearing the song every night, that it struck me the lyrics are, are, of the verses are really beautiful. That a lot of them are pulled straight from the Bible, and none of them rhyme, which is totally bizarre for a song to have none of the verses rhyme. So I took that and I just slowed it way down into like a Leonard Cohen kind of finger pick, spacey kind of thing. So anyway, the idea was to just kind of reimagine some of these songs, and uh, it was going to be a benefit for the International Rescue Committee, which helps uh, refugees around the world. And, uh, and yeah, once I recorded them, I was, you know, realizing there were a lot of other artists that felt the same way. So I started sending the songs out to friends and uh, uh, Josh Ritter sang on one of the songs, uh, Sean Watkins from Nickel Creek, the Mastersons, who I toured with, uh, a whole bunch of friends. Yeah. Speaking of Josh Ritter, I think my favorite song on that album is uh, This Land Is Your Land, oh, which yeah. you did the backing vocals on. Yeah, Super that was power. really cool. Yeah. I loved how you kind of put in some clips of Donald Trump and people speaking about things that had happened last year. That was really cool. Yeah, that was, you know, I, I feel like I, I, I waffled about recording This Land Is Your Land because that's been covered a, a fair amount. But, uh, you know, I wanted to do it using the original lyrics that Woody Guthrie had because there were verses in there about, you know, private property and walls that felt particularly uh, relevant. Um, and I also uh, figured if I was going to do it, I needed some kind of a new current spin on it. So, yeah, that was my idea was to to take some kind of uh, audio clips of, of, you know, elected American officials giving public addresses in which, you know, we can look back at them now and say, wow, that's incredibly racist or that's incredibly sexist or incredibly discriminatory. Uh, and then, you know, things from the from the 50s and the 60s or whatever, and then put them alongside uh, comments from, you know, people like Donald Trump or Mitch McConnell now where, you know, I, I think in a, in a few decades, people are going to look back on those the same way we look back on some of these really, you know, ugly periods from the civil rights movement. And, and uh, you know, I think I think we're going to scratch our heads a little bit at, at how we kind of accepted some of this as as the level of public discourse. Sure. And, and as you mentioned before, there are it's not all covers. There are a few originals mm -hmm. on here. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, do you do you feel a sense of responsibility as an artist and maybe somebody whose voice carries a little bit further than others to speak out on social and political issues that are important to you? You know, I'm never really sure how far my 
voice carries or or you know on any particular project you know what kind of an audience is going to reach so the thing that kind of guides me when i'm writing is just you know what's on my mind and what am i trying to to work through and make sense of so that's why i think you know my songs will be a mix of of you know kind of personal inward looking things and then outward more social political geared things because you know i think like any human being that that my my thought process at any given time is a is a weird blend of both of those things so you know it's not necessarily that i i sit down and i say you know uh my opinion is going to change someone's mind and it's time for me to to write a song about how i feel about x y and z it's more like the way I write songs is often, uh, you know, I'll come up with some music first and, and then I'll just start to kind of start singing gibberish over it until some words start to uh, make sense and in and, and a song tape shape. And in that way, I think whatever is kind of bubbling under in my self-conscious or my subconscious is is what tends to come out. And uh, let's talk about Princeton for one minute. Sure. When we are here. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is kind of where it all began, or at least some of it began, mm-hmm. right? Um, is it true that you recorded one of your first albums in a dorm room? Yeah, I lived over, uh, I lived, I recorded a couple of things in, in dorm rooms, and that was how I kind of learned how to start recording and mixing and producing in the rudimentary way that I can. You know, when I get to make studio albums now, I I, I work with professionals who know what the heck they're actually doing, but, I, you know, I've I've learned enough from doing it in my dorm room that the the charity EP, I did that in my apartment in New York the exact same way that I did everything here in my dorm at Princeton. You know, the, all the stuff I learned making my own records here is is what I used to, to make the charity EP. So what was the setup like in your dorm? What, what Which uh, residential college did you live in and what was the, well, paint a picture of what it was? Well, I was in uh, Rocky. Um, I, I, I think the the recording that I actually released that I made in, in my dorm was when I was living in uh, in Little Hall. And the setup, it was my laptop on my desk, and then I had a little preamp and a little microphone that I would just set up when my roommates weren't around. And, uh, you know, I'd get the guitar and the vocals down while they were gone. And then after that, like a lot of the keyboard kind of stuff, that would just come from uh, uh, like a direct line in so I could, you know, my roommates could be around watching TV and I just have my headphones on the keyboard. And um, and then some of the songs that have like drums and stuff, I would uh, get on the train in New York and, and I had, you know, friends who were musicians in the city who had rehearsal spaces and we'd go sit up in, uh, in their rehearsal space and record some drums or I'd go sit up in somebody's apartment and record them playing some electric guitar and bring it back to Princeton and, and mix it. And cool. that was how I made the, the first kind of homemade stuff that I did. And was that Downwires? Was that the album? Yeah, kind of have have sort of let that drift out of print over the years, just because that never even got mastered or anything. It was you know as as kind of bare bones as it gets. But some of those songs have kind of reappeared on on proper studio albums over the years too. So it's it's been harvested for parts here and there, but it exists. People people still have copies <laughs> of it out there. And I'm curious. I mean, how Princeton inspired is Downwires? I mean, I'm sure you wrote at least some of the songs while you were studying. I, here. I wrote all of them while I was here. Um, you know, I think the thing that that uh, had the biggest impact on me while I was here was working with uh, with Paul Muldoon, and that was like this 
kind of independent study that I worked up where basically, you know, every so often I would uh, send him a batch of songs that I'd written and he'd go through the lyrics and we'd get together and we'd just talk about them. You know, you'd have marked up the sheet. And, and it made me think about um, about lyric writing in a different way. You know, it made me really conscious of, of you know, imagery and, and the threads that you tie, uh, you know, through a song. It, it You know, I think before that I thought of songs as things that just come out of you and that's the song. And, and I think after working with with Professor Muldoon, I, I realized how much, or just just how important the sculpting part of it is. Like once it's once it's out of you, that sure that's great, but let's actually sit down now with just a sheet of paper and no music and think critically about you know how these words all work together and 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 how you can tighten it up and and make it more impactful. That's interesting. And so do you still, I know you said at least when you were um, a student here that you would kind of write the music first and then the lyrics would come later. Is that still, even after studying with um, Paul Muldoon, is that still how it generally Yeah, the, you know, on, on on rare instances, sometimes like a, a lyrical phrase will stick in my head and or, or a song title will come mm-hmm. first and I'll, I'll try to write from that. But for the most part, usually I have some kind of a a chord progression or some kind of a riff or a melody or something. And, and like I said, it starts off with just kind of singing gibberish and just until sounds start to make sense or you start to get like a feeling like this song makes me feel happy or this song makes me feel sad. And then, you know, you try to dig more into it and like what kind of happy does this make you feel or what kind of, you know. And once you once you start to kind of narrow down that sort of stuff, you can start to figure out what a song is about. But it it, yeah, I, I I tend not to, I don't I don't have an idea of what I want to write a song about and then write a song about it. I generally have an idea for what a song sounds like, and then I figure out what it's about after that. Very cool. So, what does it feel for, like for you to come back here? You know, it's been you, you've accomplished a lot in the eight years since you graduated. Oh God, um, it's been eight years. <laughs> it's been eight oh. years. Uh, so what is it like to be back, you know, where at least some of the groundwork was laid for your career? I, I you know, I love coming back to, to Princeton. I don't get back all that often now. You know, uh, I try to come back for reunions if I'm not on tour. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a it's a I have I have fond memories of of being here. I didn't realize it had been eight years. That's a <laughs> sorry to, that's to a, drop that That's bomb. a blow. Um <laughs> But no, I don't know. I, I, it's it's funny. I walk around, and it's uh, even just today, like walking across campus from the the train station over to here. I walked past my old dorm room and all the way to my eating club, and turned, and you know, that's that's a trip I made twice a day, and because uh, I never got up in time for breakfast. But um, so yeah, that's you know, you kind of fall back immediately into. Uh, I don't know if it's like this for you, but for me, it, like memories are tied very strongly to like places, you know, so I can be walking through Prospect Garden and immediately flash back to, you know, that feeling of walking through Prospect Garden at, you know, 2.30 in the morning on a Thursday night or something. And um, it's, you know, it's it's fun to be kind of transported back to a different a different time. And uh, what can we expect from Anthony D'Amato in 2018? I am working on a new record. Okay. Um, I did about half of it before I uh, went over to Europe this fall, um, and I'm hoping in the next uh, month or so to, to get back out. I, I was recording uh, 
uh, out in Utah with this artist Joshua James, who's a, a favorite songwriter of mine, and, and we met on a different tour in Europe and, and kind of hit it off. And um, so I was working with him and, and his band out in Utah uh, back in the fall, and I'm headed back out there again soon, hopefully to uh, do another handful of songs and then uh, just working on a few other different things on the recording side. And, and I don't know exactly how it's all going to turn out. It could be an album. It could be a couple of EPs. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing about the shape of the music industry right now that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in experimenting with the idea of, you know, s- steadier releases of smaller amounts of music rather than, you know, two years and then a big album and then two years and, a, you know, all the songs in one batch. You know, I, I think people's listening habits keep evolving. I know mine do anyway. And uh, and I'm interested to, to, to mess around with the idea of kind of keeping a, a steady stream going and something, you know, building up a, a, a quantity of, of recordings and then being able to put that out as, as a steady stream so I could just keep on the road too. That's the other thing is, you know, you have to take a lot of time off the road to to write and record and all that sort of stuff. And I, my favorite thing is touring. I just love to be traveling and playing shows. So, you know, if I can build up a, a year's worth of recordings and then just go out and hit the road and then just, you know, every couple of months put out a couple of songs, that would kind of suit me ideally. Cool. Well, I look forward to maybe seeing some new stuff from you on Spotify in the yeah. coming months. Stay tuned. Awesome. All right. Well, should we do this music thing? Yeah, Would you let's like to play it. a couple songs for Absolutely. us? Absolutely. Uh, this is a song called uh, Honey, That's Not All, um, which I wrote on uh, uh, one of my first trips uh, trips over to Europe on tour a, a few years ago, but it's uh, finally recorded it on, on the new album, uh, Cold Snap, which uh, I made out in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, with some of the guys from Bright Eyes. Teaching her to sing Cause I got the word you like That sort of thing Ain't got a penny in my pocket But I'm walking pretty tall Cause I got love And honey that's not all Got strange rhythms in my head I got shelves of books I never read I got a number in my phone I ain't ever gonna call Cause I got love Honey, that's not all Got love for every corner of the map Love, I take the dinner Love, I meet out back Love for Minneapolis Love for old St. Paul I got love And honey, that's not all It's a place to hang my hat I got sober there in summer And fun again in fall When I got love And honey, that's not all I got Jesus' name tattooed in black I got sick of waiting for him to come back Now I got a savior in my neighbor 
I can hear her through the wall, she's getting love Oh God, and that's not all Got love for every low life that I meet Love for every shining sidewalk diamond on the street Love for my old lovers, though for what I can't recall I got love, and honey that's not all And everybody wants An overflowing cup But darling don't you know That it's who, not what you got Stoned out behind the church I got home and they called off the search If I got a funny way of showing how I feel It's not my fault cause I got love And honey that's not all Oh I got love And honey that's not all I got love And honey that's not all Uh, this is a song called uh, Rain on a Strange Roof, which is, we talked before about the idea of, of how songs come to me normally. And this this was one of the rare ones that actually I had the title before I had any music or, or lyrics. It was a line that I had pulled from uh, uh, Faulkner. There's a, a bit where he talks about the sound of rain on a strange roof. And I just thought that was such a such an evocative line that it needed to be a song. So I went home and uh, and wrote this.
more from Anthony on Spotify or Apple Music, or you can visit his website at anthonydamatomusic.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to subscribe in iTunes. We'll be publishing more interviews along with our Pawtrax Oral History podcast all year long.